This is the Horse Radio Network. You're listening to the Stall and Stable Show. Ideas for happy horsekeeping. What would you do if someone dropped a $150,000 gift certificate in your lap and told you it was yours to spend as you wish, but you had to spend it on your barn, farm, or business? I posed this question to my almost 9,000 followers on Facebook. Their answers were interesting. Listen in. This is episode 110 of the Stall and Stable Show, brought to you by American Stalls. If you're looking for stall components that are safe, elegant, and built to last, reach out to American Stalls. Quality products is just half of the equation when it comes to outfitting your barn. The other half is quality service. American Stalls is such a nice company to do business with. They're knowledgeable, helpful, and honest. What a breath of fresh air that is, literally. You can find out more about them at AmericanStalls.com. Welcome back, listeners. Today's Wednesday, February 1st, 2023. I'm your host, Helena Harris. Please support our sponsors as they help make this show possible. In addition to American Stalls, our sponsor this week is Barn Pros. As I mentioned in the episode opener, I polled the Stall and Stable Facebook community to see what they would do with $150,000 in cash. The answers came rolling in, most with hope and optimism, some with a bit of grumbling. I'm going to share those answers with you and provide some insight about some of the more common responses and some of the more common misconceptions. It's fascinating to know that so many farm owners have no idea what $150,000 will and won't buy. Before we get into that part of the show today, I want to thank everyone who sent in emails this month with feedback about the show and with well wishes for my horses. In particular, many thanks to Elizabeth Marks and Ron Falkowski. Thank you for listening, and thank you for letting me know how much you enjoy the show. It keeps me going, especially when the challenges of being a small business owner become overwhelming. A few kind words can make all the difference. Now, Clarabelle, because some of you have asked, is doing very well. Her wound is healing and getting smaller and smaller every day. She's still in a bandage to protect the open sore from activities, you know, that a wiggly five-year-old mare in the middle of winter is going to get up to. But with every bandage change, I see great progress. Dr. Seaman's suggestion of alum sprinkled on the surface of the wound is proving to be the most helpful at this point. I don't know if I mentioned the alum before. I I probably did. I, I would be surprised if I forgot. But if I didn't, alum, you can get it in the grocery store in the spice section. So anyway, that has proven to be so helpful. We do another bandage change in a day or so from recording this episode. And if we can keep the proud flesh at bay, we're good. If not, my regular vet is on standby. She can come out to debride the leg once more. That's not my preference, but we do what we got to do, right? Yes, there's a debate. Debride, debride. Apparently the surgeons say debride. Everybody else says debride. I'm going to stick with the cool kids and say debride. So if we don't have to do that, great. If we do have to do that, whatever, <laughs> right? Whatever. Um, 
I started Clarabelle back to work when the weather allows. Our riding arena is often flooded these days. Despite its usually excellent drainage, we've had copious amounts of rain lately. And, well, blah. So Clarabelle cannot be turned out with Brody or Susie at this time because things get too rowdy and our winter space is too small to be safe. Um, yeah, it's just too small. Sue and Clarabelle, in particular, like to whoop it up. And I'm afraid someone's hind feet are going to connect with someone else's body parts. Not doing that again. So two or three times a week, I hand walk Clarabelle for about 20 minutes. We do different positive reinforcement exercises. And then I put her on the lunge line for about five minutes. She retained a great deal of what she learned over the summer but there are a few things we need to focus on before she's ready for undersaddle work in the spring. Most importantly, teaching her exercises that we can do together over the winter that will help her expend excess energy, uh, start to engage those tendons, ligaments, and muscles that have been sitting dormant for the last four months, um, and, and to do all of that without getting crazy and without putting the human in danger. Clarabelle is not prone to kicking. But she is a little silly, you know, what with being cooped up in a small space for all this time and with the winter weather. So over the summer, she was taught, among many other things, to stretch long and low, put her nose to the ground, and make circles around the human. (laughs) But she made small circles. And she seems to have forgotten the cue for moving out on the circle and therefore making it bigger which is safer for the human, me. You know, she gets going and then she's like, woo, I want to kick out or woo, I want to flip myself into crazy contorted pretzel-like forms. So when she's close on the circle, that's not safe for me. But if I give her any sort of cue to move outward on the circle, she's just at that point in her training or in her energy level where that cue could be interpreted as, oh, I need to move out. Or it could be interpreted as, kaboom, (laughs) let's get all this energy out. So I have a couple of exercises that my friend Tick Maynard suggested. We're going to put those to the test and see how we do. But all in all, I'm very happy with her progress. Susie is doing very well. I was just about to put her saddle back on when we got a week of snane. You know, that lovely combination of snow, and rain. Winter training schedules in New England are never something to bank on. We take what we can get, and we use the downtime to clean tack, hang hooks, and in general, just get organized. And speaking of getting organized, I have been working diligently on the newest release of the Stall and Stable Financial Planner. That's the super cool spreadsheet template that I designed just for horse people. We've already got enough to process, which is why I made the financial planner as easy to use as possible. So with every new release, the goal is to make it simpler and easier, but no less powerful of a tool for planning your business or getting a loan. Check it out at stallandstable.com under business guides. In all honesty, I created the planner because I hate to see horses suffer because barn owners have to cut corners in order to survive. I also hate to see barn owners struggle trying to balance life, 
finances, demanding clients, and horses in need. If a simple spreadsheet can relieve even a portion of the stress that comes with running a horse business, it's worth every bit of that $98 and then some. So last Monday, I went through Facebook and I posted a very specific question on the Stolen Stable Facebook page. And that question was, if you had $150,000 cash to spend on your farm, what would you do with it? Well, my normally quiet Facebook page just lit up with lots of answers. I think that in itself could be fodder for an entire episode all, all by itself. Um, it just kind of proves that horse people need to be heard. You know, we walk around carrying these, these dreams, these desires, these hopes, these frustrations. And when someone gives us the opportunity to share those or to express those, we need to take it. And so lots of people popped on that Facebook page. They commented with what they would spend $150,000 on. And it was awesome. Um, and it was also kind of, um, well, it was interesting. So here's the, the long and short of it. Most people wanted an indoor arena. <laughs> and it didn't matter where they were from. These answers were from all over the U.S. And one from Australia. The other top answers were putting in a mud control system, improving their pastures, building a house or building living quarters either into their barn or next to their barn, like on their farm, plumbing hot water to the barn, which you guys know that I talk about all the time. It's an absolute essential. Lighting. Working in the dark, filling hay nets in the dark is no fun. I have solar lights in my shed. We have not run electricity out to the shed. We do have it in the barn. But I fill all my hay nets and I have my tack and stuff in the shed. And I, I have a really neat little solar-powered light, a light bulb. It hangs from the ceiling. And most of the time, it works great. I turn it on with a little remote control. But it's been really uh, rainy and cloudy this winter. Uh, we've had five, six, seven days of no sun. So in addition to the fact that that's incredibly depressing, it also reduced the power to my lights. So I had no lighting in my shed. So filling hay nets after five o'clock in the Northeast was not fun. So electricity to all of the working areas of your barn, that was another hugely popular response. The other popular response was repairs and renovations. A lot of us are in barns or have barns that are old. And they've been around forever. And let's face it, we're horse people. That's kind of what we can afford. Building something new and fancy is uh, reserved for a subset of the U.S. horse person demographic. So a lot of us have inherited properties or uh, we bought what we could afford and we are slowly improving them as time goes by. So repairs was a big one. Um, fencing, another really popular response, and automatic waterers. So what, what does this say? You know, it, it just kind of supports a common theme about horse farms, is that the weather is a huge factor in what we do. It's an outdoor sport, outdoor hobby. And if it's raining or it's freezing or the footing is somehow compromised, it just ruins everything. It really throws a wrench into our not only our enjoyment of our horses, but 
our training programs, our businesses. So having something, any kind of cover, whether it's an entirely indoor arena or just a covered outdoor arena, is really important to preserve the footing because the footing is really important in keeping our horses sound and working. So the arenas were very popular. Um, Pasture repair, establishment, improvement. This is what horses eat, right? Hay is expensive. Fuel is expensive. So if we're buying hay and we're having it shipped in, we are spending literally a poop ton of money on hay. What's pretty much what we have to do. We have to provide our horses with shelter, water, food, and friends. The food is one of the biggest expenses. So we're either feeding them hay or they're grazing on pasture. And pasture is often a much more affordable way to feed your horses. But horses are hard on their environments. And unless you have a really big farm, lots of acreage, keeping your property in pasture that's healthy enough to provide nutrition for the horses, that's challenging. And for many barn owners, again, because land is expensive, we tend to put too many horses on too small a property. And that destroys the pastures and therefore the buffet. So establishing pastures, improving those pastures, and that was another big item on the wish list. Oh, and automatic waterers. Okay. Because watering horses is inconvenient, right? So let's just say you do have lots of pastures, you do have lots of property, and horses are turned out. Ugh. Getting water out to them is a pain in the butt. So what do you do? Do you run water lines out to your pastures with frost-free hydrants? That's ideal. Honestly, that's ideal. Do you have automatic waterers so you don't need to go and fill the water vessels out in pasture? Um, There are varying schools of thought on this. Are there differing schools of thought on this? I like the convenience of the automatic waterers. However, I also like knowing how much my horses are drinking. I like having to go out and check. I don't necessarily want to haul a hose out there. So if there is water access in my pastures, I would rather fill a vessel than than try to remember to check to make sure that the automatic waterers are functioning. So in my perspective, and in my opinion, When something has a lot of moving parts, there's a lot more risk that one of those parts is going to break. And I would hate to have a horse out in a pasture somewhere that does not have access to water. But if I have to manually go and check and fill, that process is less likely to break. That Again, that's my personal opinion. I also, again, like to know how much my horses are drinking. Now, if you have a herd, a small one or a large one, you don't exactly know how much each horse is drinking, but you do know whether or not that water level is going down. And as you walk out to the pasture, if you are going out to check on your herd, you have a chance to look. You have a chance to see who's doing what. You should be putting your hands on your horse or horses at least once a day or once every couple of days if you're more of the hands-off type. Do a skin pinch test so your horse is getting enough to drink, you can tell whether or not they're hydrated by doing the skin pinch test. But leaving that up to an automatic water is not something I would be comfortable with. But I do understand that we all want, or at least people who responded to this question, they want a more convenient way to make sure that their horses are hydrated, are watered. 
Maybe we'll do that in an upcoming episode of the show is talking about what are the different options for watering our horses, whether they're close to the barn, in the barn, or as far away from us as possible. How do we make sure that they have access to clean, fresh water? One of my favorite responses to this question was to put in a track system. I do believe that a track system is going to be the future for horse turnout. That's a whole nother episode. Actually, we did an episode of Stall and Stable on that, and it was called A New Kind of Turnout for Healthy Hooves, and it was episode 54. You can find that either on Apple Podcasts or our website. So I like the fact that somebody was thinking about that because I'm always thinking about it. Another popular answer was a tractor purchase. How to make horse keeping easier and more efficient? Well, when you remove some of the labor from your physical body, your hands and legs, and you put it in a tractor, my gosh, can you get a lot more done? Those were the most popular answers. So again, to recap, covered or indoor arena, mud control, or improving pastures, those could be the same or different depending on what you got going on, repairs or renovations, improvements, mostly to the structures, barn, housing, shed, fencing, and convenient water access. In a nutshell, running water and power to the barn. These are all the things that we talk about at Stall and Stable. I say the most important feature of any horse facility, the most important is your perimeter fencing. I believe that should be solid fencing, super safe, checked regularly, and however you want to configure your interior fencing. I, I do suggest solid fencing on your major pastures. If you need to use something else like vinyl or poly tape or hot wire, that's fine. But again, for perimeter fencing, I strongly suggest permanent board fencing. Pastures for feeding, convenient way to water, covered arena so you can run your business and keep your horses going, electricity so you can see what you're doing, and insulation as well. So a lot of people put, yes, we want an indoor arena, or yes, we want a covered arena, but we really need it to be insulated. And that's, that's a key building feature that a lot of people forget. They tend to focus on the roof and the sidewalls for keeping the weather out. But what keeps, um, what keeps your riding area rideable, it's not just keeping the weather out, but it's keeping, it's managing the weather within the structure. And you know who's really good at understanding exactly what goes into a quality structure? These kinds of techie, geeky things? Barn pros. Yep. Think about the professionals that you choose to work with. Barn pros understands that your horse property demands a building partner who prioritizes your needs and goals first and who puts adaptability and passion to work so they can bring your dream to life, right? That's what we do. Barn Pros, Stall and Stable, American Stalls, we put all of our areas of expertise together so that we can bring your dream to life, whether that's building it, outfitting it, or paying for it. Barn Pros' expertise is in structures whether that's living structures, barns, or riding arenas. 
I mean, they have this stuff down to a science and because it is such a smooth process, they can package everything up and actually ship it out to you. <laughs> um, it's just brilliant. So please give them a call, barnpros.com or call them at 866-844-2276. Okay, back to our $150,000 and all of these projects, this master wish list. What do they all have in common? All of these projects can very quickly chew through $150,000. Only one respondent to my survey answered this question correctly. She said, with $150,000, that would be my down payment on an indoor arena. And she's right. Especially these days when building costs have skyrocketed. So $150,000 will get a lot done, but you have to have your financial ducks in a row. So what do we do without that $150,000 gift certificate? Well, we take some cash from our businesses and do them in bits and pieces. We take on these projects when we can. Maybe um, we borrow money. Maybe we put some stuff on our credit card. Maybe we get a personal loan. Maybe we do a little crowdfunding. Maybe we get a business loan. Getting the money to do this stuff, getting $150,000 is not a pie-in-the-sky dream. It doesn't have to be a wish. This stuff does not have to be something that you dream about but will never do. Ten years ago, I never would have thought this was something that was accessible to the average horse business owner. Going out and getting a $150,000 business loan to establish my pastures or completely fence in the property. But it is, and it's a lot easier than you think, whether you're getting the money from a bank or the U.S. Small Business Administration or a GoFundMe campaign. What it really requires, if you really want this cash in your pocket to make improvements to your farm, is a little organization. That's it. Write down what you want to do, get some estimates on what it's going to cost, and then figure out how much money you have coming into your business. Do you have more coming in than going out? Or are you operating at a loss and you're spending more than you're making? Even if that's the case, it doesn't matter. Because if you put the numbers down, this is my cash coming in in column A, and this is, these are my expenses going out, column B, and you compare them, that simple process allows you to see where you're bleeding cash. You can stop that bleeding. You can plug up that hole simply because you've identified it. On the other hand, you can take a look at your income coming in and say, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to teach two more lessons a day, and that will change how much uh, cash flow I'm bringing in. And then when you do that, you put it on a loan application and you send it to the bank and the bank says, all right, column A is looking pretty good. Here's your $150,000. You can spend it on an indoor arena, but that's it. Our agreement is you want it for an indoor arena, that's what we're giving you the money for. And then they do it. So I'm going to wrap up this episode with two pieces of free business advice. If you want this to happen, go and check your credit score. If you have anything outstanding, late payments, even bankruptcies, whatever it is, find out what you can do to clean up that credit. That is step number one. And it's not that difficult. I know we don't want to see it. Ugh. Like I said in a previous episode, it's like going to the dentist. <laughs> I don't want to go because I don't want to know I need a root canal. Check your credit, see what's there, and 
in most cases, you can clean it up. It might take you a couple of months, but you can clean up that credit. And business advice number two is to get your numbers organized. You need to track your income and expenses. You can do it on a piece of paper with a pencil, or you can do it in the stall and stable financial planner, or you can talk to your accountant. But either way, you need to have those numbers. So get your credit cleaned up and get your numbers organized. That's half the battle to getting your $150,000. If you need help, call me, email me, book an appointment. I'm always out here. If you're the self-serve type, we have plenty of product guides and downloadable things that you can get from stallandstable.com. Well, I hope you learned something from this episode today. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. You can find me at helena at stallandstable.com, or you can always go up to the website because there are a lot of resources up there, uh, free stuff and paid stuff. Many thanks to this week's sponsors, American Stalls and Barn Pros. You can find American Stalls online at americanstalls.com and Barn Pros at barnpros.com. For more details about what I talked about in this episode, go to the episode show notes on our website. And that's going to be a wrap for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it.